Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to worship with you here in person and online if you're watching today with us. As Darlene mentioned in the video announcements, I'm going to be talking about triumphing over fear. And how many, do we, how many people in here know that there's some things that are easy to fear in this world right now? And the actual definition of fear is this. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. It's an unpleasant emotion. How many people have experienced this unpleasant emotion in your life? But fear can try to create chaos in our lives. It even can produce physical symptoms in our lives, symptoms like rapid heartbeat, faster breathing, sweating, high blood pressure. These things are our body's response to the fight or flight mode that's going on when we are experiencing fear. Fear can cause us to avoid certain activities. Fear can cause us to make choices that we normally wouldn't make. Fear can be powerful if we let it reign in our lives. So how do we deal with this? There's many different things that we could fear in this world today. Maybe if you're a high school student in this place, the fear of the future. What am I going to do with my life? Do I go to college and go into debt? Do I start a trade? Do I try to become a social media influencer? Do I become an entrepreneur? There's so many choices. I, sometimes I feel bad for this next generation because I equate it to like watching Netflix. You ever go on Netflix, and my wife and I will go on Netflix and we'll try to watch a show sometimes, and there are so many options. We will literally look around for a show for 30 minutes and then get so frustrated, we'll just shut it off and not watch anything. <laughs> I feel like our, our next generation has so many options, so many things that they could do. It's kind of tricky, and it's easy to fear the future. If you're a little older, if you're a millennial age, you know, in your late 20s or 30s, maybe you fear these high mortgage rates, interest rates, and cost of living, and you're trying to buy a house, and you just can't. Maybe you got some debt from college still, and you're just trying to figure out what you are going to do, and it's bringing fear into your life. If you're a parent, of a child or a teenager, I think there's a lot of things that you could fear in today's world when you hear shootings so close to home in schools like Oxford, Michigan and Michigan State University. Also, when you hear stories about a 28-year-old girl, 28-year-old going into a Christian school and opening fire and killing six people, including three kids and a nine-year-old girl. 
there's certainly things that can send chills down your spine when you hear stories like that. Maybe you're approaching retirement age and maybe you don't have enough money put away or maybe you're dealing with loved ones who aren't doing as good as they once were. There's so many things that we could be afraid of. Maybe if you're a grandparent in this place, you're constantly worried about your kids and your grandkids and the kind of future that they're gonna have. If you're a Christian, maybe you're fearful of what God thinks of you. Am I doing enough? Is God happy with me? Is he disappointed in me? Maybe you're worried and you don't know in the, in the world that we live in how much we're supposed to love the world versus how much we're supposed to take a stand. And this could create fear and worry and panic and stress in our lives. Now, I'm not a very fearful person by nature, but there is one thing that freaks me out a little bit. I'm gonna be vulnerable with you today and tell you what this is, okay? It's the four-way stop. The four-way stop, okay, right here. You see a diagram. This freaks me out a little bit. And not because I'm scared on the road, but it's because people forget what they're supposed to do when they come to a four-way stop. Four-way stops occur when all lights are blinking red, when there's four stop signs, when the light is out completely, the power's on the light, it creates a four-way stop. And we learned this in driver's training. We know what we're supposed to do. In a four-way stop, the person who gets there first has the right of way. However, if you pull up to a four-way stop and it's full, the person to the right goes, and then the next person to the right, and the next person to the right. And that's supposed to go like this. It never goes like that. It never goes like that. One person who's a little impatient throws the whole thing off. So this person goes, then that person's supposed to go, but then the other person's like, you know what, I've been here long enough. And they take off, and there's almost an accident right in the middle of the intersection, honking, beeping, people get all stressed out and panicked, and it throws the whole system. Am I the only one who's experienced this at a four-way stop? But this is what fear and panic can do in our lives. You see, we know the truth. We know what we're supposed to do. Most of us know all the promises that God's word has when it comes to fear and him giving us hope for the future and him taking care of us in ways that no one else can. But when we're in a situation that brings fear and this unpleasant emotion into our lives, we forget the truth. We get distracted from what's actually true. And we allow our minds to go down all kinds of what-if situation roads, and we can't even think and operate clearly in day-to-day -day life. I got good news for us this morning. The good news is we do not have to live in the prison of fear. We are going to experience fear in this world. It's a survival mechanism in our brain that we cannot shut off. So we're going to experience this unpleasant emotion of fear, but we do not have to live in the prison of fear. 
There's several things that we can do to overcome the power that fear can have over our lives. The Bible's full of wisdom and truth when it comes to this subject. And I love what Paul says in the book of Romans when he talks about, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The key is to renew our mind. The key is to not think like everyone else thinks. The key is to focus on the truth of God's word even when we're living in fearful times. You got to remember the word of God also says we don't have to live like those who have no hope because we have hope. We're not of this world, so we can choose to think differently. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to give us three things to focus on when fear is trying to distract us. When that negative, powerful emotion comes along and you're tempted to give into this fear, when your body starts to react to fear, when your heartbeat gets a little more rapid and your blood pressure rises and you begin to sweat and you begin to worry and you begin to think of what if situations, there's three things we can focus on. The first one is this, focus on the present. Focus on the present. Fear takes a hold of our lives when we start thinking about tomorrow's problems and next week's problems and what is going to happen in a month from now and what's going to happen in a year from now and what's going to happen tomorrow or what's going to happen at the next election or what's going to happen here what's going to happen in our country is there a recession coming what's going to happen fear can take over when we start thinking too much about the future I didn't come up with this Jesus did. He says this in Matthew 6, 34. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We got issues to focus on today. Today will bring enough trouble. It, it, Jesus isn't sugarcoating it here. He's saying, listen, this life is tough. You're going to have some ups. You're going to have some downs. But I don't want you worrying about tomorrow. Worry about today. Stay focused on today. And there's two things that happen when we can put this scripture into truth into our lives. One, we don't have to worry as much about tomorrow and all the things that are going to come with it and it creates some kind of peace in our life. But two, we get to focus on the good things that are happening today and enjoy them. How many times have you been maybe in a situation where you're trying to enjoy the day, maybe there's a good thing happening, and then all of a sudden this thing in the pit of your stomach, oh, I gotta do this tomorrow. Oh, this might happen next week. So it robs you of what you can be experiencing today, the joy, the peace, the hope, the love that we have available to us today. Several years ago, 
I was talking to a Christian therapist, and one of the reasons I was talking to this therapist is I was having trouble sleeping at night. No, it was days on end where I just couldn't fall asleep. And this had never really happened to me before. And I remember I just started worrying so much about nighttime and going to sleep. How many people know that's like the worst thing you can do when you're struggling with sleep is worry about falling asleep. I remember I'm sitting there, it's at 10 a.m. in the morning and I'm talking to this Christian therapist and she says, I said, I, I'm just freaked out. I'm freaked out. I'm not going to be able to sleep again tonight. She goes, tonight? That's 10 hours away. You've got so much to do between now and then. So many other things that you can enjoy today. So many things, a world of possibilities. You've got 10 hours between now and then. Don't even think about it. When, you're for it when, when your mind wants to go there, just bring it back to what you're doing presently today. Maybe you'll sleep just fine tonight. And she asked me this question. She goes, how many times have you slept better than you haven't slept? So, well, I, I have slept a lot better. This is the first time I'm dealing with this. She goes, exactly. Your brain knows how to sleep. You'll be fine. Worry. Don't have to worry about what's coming up 10 hours from now. Enjoy today. And I think this is what Jesus was trying to get us to do is to think about the things that are happening in front of us today. Remember in this scripture, the context that Jesus is, and he's talking to people who didn't even know if they could eat tomorrow. They didn't know if they were gonna have food to put in front of their kids tomorrow. They were freaked out. They were living in fear. They were living with a poverty mindset. And Jesus looked those people in the eye and he said, listen, Figure out tomorrow, tomorrow, but you'll have enough for today. Don't worry about it. Most of us, we have roofs over our heads. We have a pantry full of food. We have a car that we can drive. We're doing better than we think we are. And we can enjoy today and worry about things when they actually happen. Because when we constantly worry about the future, it robs us of our peace today, and we can't make wise decisions today because we're making decisions based on fear. And when you're making decisions based on fear, you're making them from an unhealthy emotional place. So let's focus on the present. That's number one. Number two is focus on the gift of peace. Focus on the gift of peace. Jesus spent a lot of time trying to comfort his disciples. And he says this in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says this, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Now that's a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I'm leaving you a gift. 
a supernatural gift, a gift of peace that surpasses all understanding. Think about this. These disciples, after Jesus died and rose from the dead, they went on to preach the gospel. And it wasn't a popular time to be a Christian back then. Christians experienced extreme persecution. They could be stoned to death for no reason, just for preaching Jesus. They could be put in prison. They could be whipped. They could be put in chains. They could even be martyred for the faith, killed. But it didn't stop the disciples from getting up every single day and going to work for the kingdom of God. How is this possible that they could do this without fear? A supernatural gift of peace and mind that Jesus gave them through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace. It's available to us. If you are a Christian in this place, you have the Holy Spirit in you and dwelling in you, producing all kinds of fruit. The problem is when fear takes over and this unhealthy emotion comes into play in our mind, we forget the truth that we can access the gift of peace in our lives. The flesh takes over, the worry takes over, our brains go into fight or flight mode and we forget There's a gift of peace that Jesus promised us in his word that we have access to. It's there. And fear wants to rob us of that gift that Jesus wants to give us. Now, I want to take one minute here, and I do want to talk a little bit about mental health. I am a proponent of talking about mental health in church. I think it's one of the most misunderstood things that we deal with because there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about be anxious for nothing. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And there's people in this world who do have chemical imbalances in their brain that produce anxiety disorders and depression disorders. This is not what I'm talking about this morning. I just wanna let you know, if you're in this place dealing with some kind of disorder or chemical imbalance, there is no shame in that. You are not alone. And if you need to go on medicine or something to overcome some of those issues, don't ever be shameful of that. I want to say that right now, and I want to encourage you. This is not what we're talking about. And if you know someone, I'm not talking about people who just struggle with anxiety or sadness. We all struggle with anxiety and sadness, fear, living in this world. I'm talking about people who cannot function in day-to-day life unless they fix what's going on in their brain. Do not be shameful if that's you in this place. And realize 
that God has given you the gift of peace as well. And he's given you the gift of healers in the medicine field that can help you with those kinds of things. What I'm talking about is the fear, the phobias, the things that we allow into our life to overcome us with fear and anxiety on a day-to-day basis. And in this case, Jesus is saying, I want to give you the gift of peace. 2 Timothy 1.17 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Other versions say a sound mind. Not giving us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. That's a promise. If you're struggling with fear, we need to put this scripture all over the place. And every time you're tempted to feel fear of the future, know God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And sometimes you're not going to feel that. You're going to feel fear, you're going to quote the scripture, and you're still going to feel afraid. Just remember 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by believing and not by seeing. Those feelings will not always instantly go away because the gift of peace is available to us. But if we keep doing what's true, if we keep focusing on the truth and the solution and the promise in God's word, the feelings will begin to follow the truth. That's how it happens. We got to hold on to these promises and believe that despite what's happening today, the future is good. Despite what's happening today, the future is good. Romans 8 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. How much works together for the good? Everything, all things work together for the good. Well, this situation doesn't feel very good right now. I understand. Life is hard. Things happen. Tragedy strikes. We deal with pain, loss, bad health reports all the time. But God is working everything together for the good, for those who know him, who love him, and are called according to his purposes. He's doing that. So that's number two. Number three is this. Focus on shining light into the world. This could be the most important one we talk about because one of the biggest things I think the church is fearing right now is the future in America. I think that's one of the things we're worried about. We're seeing some things we've never seen in our country happen, and a lot of Christians I talk to are worried about it. They're fearful of it. And the truth is they don't know what to do about it. Do we fight? 
Do we love? What is the balance? Well, I can tell you this, fear will cause us to be reactive instead of spirit-led. So we don't want to live based on fear and in that emotion because what ends up happening is we react in anger or we fight anger with anger or hate with hate and that's not what we're supposed to do. Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. I, sometimes I wish he would have said, love each other who believe everything you believe and then fight everyone else. I mean, that might be easier to, to, to deal with. That might be more fun and like, okay, we got, our, we got our marching orders now, let's do it. But he didn't say that. He said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He goes on to say this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We are the light of the world. Which means no matter how dark the world can get around us, when we walk into a room, there's light. And not because we're special, but because we've bowed our knee at the foot of the cross as sinners, and if we said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, I need your grace in my life, I'm so sorry, would you forgive me? And he then redeems all of our mistakes, all of our past sin, and by him alone, we are considered righteous in God's sight. Not by us being good or decent. We've all done stupid things. We've all said stupid things. We've all done things we regret. We're human beings, God knew that. So because we, by grace and faith alone, have received the light of Jesus in our lives, that's why we can take it into a room. We have the Holy Spirit in us producing fruit that allows us to bring the supernatural into every room that we walk in. But it's not just because of us. It's because of the grace of God in us that we can reflect the light. But it's very important to understand that fear will cause us to not reflect the light of God. When we're operating in a negative emotion, remember the definition of fear, it's a negative emotion when you fear a person or a something is about to happen to you. Fear causes us to survive. We do things we normally wouldn't do when we are afraid. So if we're living our lives as Christians afraid of the world, we will react to them instead of lead them. And that's when it can be dangerous because 
Fear is programmed into our nervous system since the time that we are a baby to help us survive on this earth. And it could be a good thing, right? There's some healthy fears. If you're on a hike and you see a poisonous snake, fear inside of you will either cause you to run or to protect yourself. Someone trying to harm someone in your life, fear rises up and gives you the ability to protect in certain situations. Fear can be healthy and is given to us as a survival instinct. But it does cause us to react and do things we normally wouldn't do. For instance, I want to show you a little Instagram reel here that I found. This is a woman in her kitchen and she's just about to put something away in her pantry, and her husband thought it would be a good idea to dress up like a clown and scare her. Let's watch this, see what happens. not the best practical joke to play on your spouse. You see the reaction. She's got this beautiful antique door, right? She probably watched so many of these like HGTV shows, hunted one down at some obscure garage sale, found it, bought it, refinished it, put it in her pantry, so proud of it. And then her husband dresses up like a clown, tries to scare her, and she literally throws a pot through the window. And you notice her first reaction, my door! But that's what fear causes us to do. It's like if we're put on the defensive, we're, we're gonna react, right? That's what we're, what's inside of us. The problem is that's not what Jesus is asking us to do as Christ followers. He's asking us to be the light and to shine light in the darkness. Jesus, when Jesus was born, this is what the angel of the Lord said about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. It says, the night, there, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news that'll bring great joy to just the Jewish community, to just people who would call themselves Christians down the road, to all people. I bring good news of great joy to all people. This is important to understand that Jesus came into this world to shine a light towards God, to give people a healthy view of what God really looks like in the flesh, to show people what the light of the world actually looks like. And when he began to speak with authority, and when he began to get followers around him, the religious leaders of the time, the other Pharisees, leaders, in our day and age, it would be other 
pastors, other denominations. They came to Jesus and they said, yeah, we got a lot of work to do. This world's falling apart. There's all this sin and all these heathens out there. You got you to gotta join us in fighting against them. It's us versus them. You got to join us in fighting against them. And Jesus said, whoa, I'm not here to condemn the world. I'm here to save the world. They're the very people I came for. In fact, Mark 12, 15, or Mark 2, 15 through 17 says this. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner, dinner guests. Listen to this. Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. That's a very important scripture. The people who followed Jesus were not the people who went to the synagogue on Sunday morning. Or maybe Saturday back then, I don't know. They weren't. They were disreputable sinners, tax collectors, people that we probably would find a little disgusting. This is who followed Jesus. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Why isn't he canceling these people? Why? Why Why isn't he taking a stand against the immorality of this group of people? That's what we're doing. No. Why does he eat with such scum? Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This is a powerful portion of scripture. And it has to do with fear because we are so fearful about certain things happening in the world right now that we're being reactive and acting in anger instead of shining the light of Jesus and hope to this world. And this is important we get this right. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Don't fall asleep. I want you to think right now in this world the worst sinner you can think of in your mind the thing that's bothering you the most about our world right now. I guarantee I know what 90% of you are thinking. Think about it. You can open your eyes. That person would have followed Jesus, may have. Jesus would have welcomed that person into his community. That person would have sat at this table maybe that night with Jesus. And we don't know that all the people that followed Jesus converted to Christianity. In fact, we hear in Scripture a lot of them went away. Why would these people, scum, sinners, why would they follow Jesus? 
Why? They weren't following the religious leaders. They weren't following the other religious leaders of those days, the Pharisees. They didn't want anything to do with them. Why would they follow Jesus? Why? Because he's the light of the world. They were told their whole lives, they're scum. You're a sinner. You're wrong. You're evil. You're disgusting. You're misunderstood. But Jesus didn't say any of those things to sinners. He said them to the religious people. He called the religious people a brood of vipers. He said you're like whitewashed tombs at times. Looks good on the outside, but on the inside is full of dead man's bones. He said things like, you worship me with your lips, but your heart are far, is far from me. But he didn't talk that way to sinners. He didn't talk that way to people who didn't believe what he believed. He was hard on the people that should know better. His followers, people who were led by the Spirit, Christians. He was not hard on sinners. He welcomed them. He loved them. He tried to get in their worlds. He actually went to them. He got to know them. He went to their house for dinner. He didn't have them over to his. He went into the home of a tax collector and people who technically could make you ceremonially unclean according to the Jewish law. He walked right in the front door, sat down, and had dinner with them. Scum. People we probably would call scum, if we're honest. And so why do I bring this up in this message? Because we, if we're living in fear of what we're seeing on the news, what we're seeing happening in society, seeing what's taking place in certain schools, books that are being available, we're seeing all this stuff, right? We're seeing all these things. And when we get fearful for our kids, we get fearful for the culture, we get fearful what's about to happen in the world, all of a sudden that fear produces a negative emotion inside and we get ready to fight. It's a survival instinct. However, the truth is, those are the exact people that Jesus is calling to go after. We can't fight them if we're trying to win them to Jesus. Last week, we had a baptism service. I think 18 or 20 people got baptized. People that might have been sitting around that table as sinners with Jesus that day. People that's lives were not perfect. Far from it. I heard many stories. People that were in pain, sin, stuck, depressed, immoral, they came and they said, I don't have it all together, but I'm gonna give my life to Christ. And they got in this tank that was sitting right here, 
and they went down, the old creation came up a new creation in Christ. That's why we're here, church. We're not here just to preach a good sermon or sing a few worship songs and separate ourselves from the world. We're here to reach the very people that Jesus came to this earth to, to reach. We're here to go into this world and not join the bashing of it. How many times have I been with Christians and I'm hearing bash after bash after bash of what's happening on the left side of the aisle? Listen, we're not here to bash. And I'm not saying we can't stand up for what we believe in. And I'm not saying if you're involved in politics and you're doing and you're, you do your good things. Do the things that God's leading you to do. But what I'm saying is we're not going to win the world to Christ by fighting darkness with darkness and anger with anger. We're going to win them to Christ by being the light of the world and operating in the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus put inside of us that gives us a supernatural gift of peace, joy, love, understanding and grace. That's what's going to win this world. And it's hard. It's a hard message to hear. And I'm speaking to myself here. Because at times I don't even know what I'm supposed to do, to be honest with you. I don't know this balance perfectly. But what I do know is I have an example of truth in the word of God that Jesus gave us to operate in. And if we operate with this truth and this wisdom in mind, we can't go wrong. That's what I know to be true. And that's what's gonna bring us peace. We don't have to worry about the future of the world, honestly. We don't have to fear recession. We don't have to fear inflation. We don't have to fear the immorality of the country. We really don't have to fear those things. We don't. Because Jesus himself said, I have good things in store for you. And all things I'm working together for the good. He says, I've given you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And he says, I've come to give peace, bring peace and joy to this world. We just need to trust in him, believe in his promises, and we don't have to operate in fear. One last thing I want to say. We'll close. Colossians 3.2 says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is the key to everything as a Christian living in this world. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. That means the word of God is a thing above. Heaven, the thing that have to do with heaven and the kingdom of God are things above. That means social media reports, medical reports, bad news reports. Those are the things right here. But the Bible says set your mind on things above. That's where we access peace, 
love, joy, hope. That's where God uses us to be a light in the dark world. So, is fear a battle for us Christians living on earth? Yes. Fear is always going to be a battle for all of us living on earth. Do we have to live by fear? No. No, we don't. Because God's word tells us we don't. If we focus on the present, if we focus on the gift of peace, and we focus on shining light into this world, taking our eyes off of ourselves and shining light into the world, we can live with peace and not fear. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, there's some sensitive things happening in our world today. There's some things that are hard to understand that most of us just flat out don't understand. I pray that you would help give us your heart for this world. Would you download your heart for this world to us? Will you show us the wise way to respond to fear? We do not want to be reactive or emotionally led, but we want to be spirit-led, operating in the truth of your words and your gospel. Would you help us to do that, Lord? Would you lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to focus on your spirit instead of our flesh? In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand with me. We're gonna sing this song. If there's something in your life that's bringing fear into your mind, into your body. I would love for you to sing the words to this song and believe that God's gonna give you access to the gift of peace this morning.